0: You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. One week from now, some baseball players will cross the border, go through COVID screening, and arrive in Toronto. In the grand scheme of things, that doesn't matter much. Cases are low right now, most players are vaccinated, cross border traffic is picking up, and less than two weeks after the ball players arrive, the border between Canada and the United States will finally be open, at least for fully vaccinated Americans. So yeah, it's just baseball. But try telling that to the Blue Jays, who have literally been a traveling team for almost two seasons now, that this isn't a big deal. Try telling it to their fans, who haven't seen their team in person since September of 2019. And Try telling that to a federal government who clearly wants to make sure that Canadians appreciate the exemption they're granting these ballplayers. Enough so that they'll put one of their key cabinet ministers on a sports network to gush over their decision. Just actually a few moments ago, um, I uh, signed off on a national interest exemption, uh, which will bring the Jays home. And it feels pretty good. It has been almost 700 days since the Blue Jays last played a game in Toronto. It's been a long, hard time. And even in a time of unusual circumstances, this team's journey has been an odyssey. And it took months of negotiations to bring them home. So how did it come together? Why now? What had to happen to get the government to sign off on this, even as many Americans can still not visit their family? In Canada, and will all of that be forgiven on July 30th, when an awkward rookie, who left this city two seasons ago, returns as this. it's it high and deep to center, and this is a long one over the hitter's eye in deep center field. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Shai Davidi has covered the Blue Jays for Sportsnet for several years now, I think, Shai. How long has it been?
1: I probably don't want to say. Uh, my, <laughs> first, my first season was uh, the—I took over at the end of the tw- uh, 2002 season. So uh, we're coming up on two decades.
0: Do you remember the last Blue Jays game played in Toronto?
1: I mean, I was there. Uh It was uh, at the end of the 2019 season. It, it was an 8-3 win over the Tampa Bay Rays, I believe. And I don't remember specifics from the game, but it was Justin Smokes last in Toronto. And I remember there being a lot of emotion around that and him getting an ovation from the crowd and uh, having a conversation with him afterwards, uh, him entering his, uh, his final media scrum as a member of the Blue Jays. Uh, with a beer in hand and, you know, taking sips in between questions, which was very just in Smoke. So, uh, yeah, that, that's sort of my memory of it. And it's kind of funny. It's like you just thought, all right, well, on to the next one, right? You always think, you know, the baseballers are saying, you know, the bus doesn't stop moving. Uh, and then it certainly stopped moving in in ways that we couldn't have imagined.
0: So maybe if you could then just take us through briefly, because I know it kind of went all over the map, the Odyssey the Blue Jays went on, uh, beginning maybe with when spring training w- was canceled, uh, right around the time that everything was canceled in March of 2020.
1: Sure. Okay. So, you know, there's the the night where the NBA shuts down and all of a sudden people around baseball are like, wait, this is probably going to happen to us too. Uh, and the next day they go about their business as if everything's normal. Uh, and then midway through a uh, spring training game, you know the Blue Jays get word, and uh, Charlie Montoyo gets called into uh, his office by Mark Shapiro and GM Ross Atkins, and uh, in the middle of a game, and they say, "Hey, uh, after this is done, uh, you know the season's being put on pause. And you know everybody had to process that, uh, and then all of a sudden there's this massive scramble. Players are wondering what's going on, and you know within a few days, everybody's being sent home. Uh, and then the lockdown occurs, and then, as baseball started the process of trying to get restarted, you know the Blue Jays faced an issue that nobody else did because the border was closed, and as long as the border remained closed, you know they were going to have some difficulties trying to get back to Toronto, so you know those conversations were taking place as baseball developed its plan uh once it put its plan into place, and there was you know, the thought that they could have a summer camp, uh, the Blue Jays got an exception in which to host their camp in Toronto. And that really went right down to the last minute. And during that time, they were trying to work through an exception plan with the uh, federal government that would allow them to have the cross-border travel necessary to uh, play a season. And just as their camp was finishing up in Toronto, they got turned down by the federal government, which left them homeless a week before the beginning of the regular season and so a mad scramble followed they hatched a plan to share pnc park with the pittsburgh pirates uh that got turned down by the health authorities in pennsylvania uh the blue jays uh were trying to do something similar with the baltimore orioles that got shot down by health officials in maryland and at that point, the Blue Jays were really in a jam. They didn't want to go to their spring training home in Dunedin, Florida, because that was uh, the epicenter of cases at the time. Right. And so they uh, ended up settling at Buffalo, and uh, they turned that into a home. They made the playoffs, and you know, this year it was uh, a similar story. You know, the border remained closed, so they started out their season in Dunedin, Florida. they had hoped to move up uh, m- north at a certain point. The border remained closed. A third wave hit Ontario. So once the uh, weather started becoming inhospitable in Florida, they moved north to Buffalo. Um, and then, as we all know, just last week, they finally got the go-ahead to resume cross-border travel for their players with a, with a specific plan. Uh, and they get back into their own stadium.
0: Tell me what you can about how long those negotiations had been ongoing. It sounds from reports like this was a constant back and forth.
1: Yeah, there were conversations on a consistent basis, right? You know, check-ins, what are you thinking now? Where is this thing trending? What did the data say? Uh, and that that was continuous from, you know, when the Blue Jays got turned down through to when they got accepted. But I would say things started picking up a little bit towards the end of spring training. Because at that point... Major League Baseball was going to have access to vaccines. The United States in general was going to have access to vaccines. And that was going to be one of the changing factors. And then as vaccine access in Canada started increasing and coverage started increasing, then the conversations really got on the front burner because it was more realistic at that point. And so that's when the discussion between the Blue Jays and the various uh, health officials at all different levels, municipal, provincial, and federal, uh, started hammering out details of the plan. Um, Obviously, the NHL being able to have some games here. uh, With the Montreal Canadiens receiving permission to host uh, the Stanley Cup playoff series against the Las Vegas Golden Knights and the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, that really opened a bit of a pathway. Uh, and then as the travel restrictions were lifted on returning fully vaccinated Canadians, well, you, know, the, you, you could see a pathway to the same application to American professional athletes. And so you know, I would say that the, the back and forth on the plan took place, I would say, end of May into June, and then a proposal was submitted about a month ago, and by that point in time, it was mostly done, and it was really just getting the various sign-offs from the different levels of government that was necessary.
0: So all this time while the negotiations are going on between the Jays and various levels of government— how are the Jays doing? Like, you know, you mentioned that they'd been vagabonds for a long time. What was that like for them?
1: I think that's a question that can be asked on a number of different levels, right? So specific to on-field performance, you know, the, the Jays didn't fare particularly well at Dunedin. They were 10 and 11 there in the 21 games that they played. Uh, and they had very small crowds. It was generating minimal revenue. And when they did have fans, they were mostly there to cheer for the other teams. So at Buffalo, it got better, uh, but they ended up finishing 12 and 11 there, where compared to last year, it was a real home field advantage for them. They were 17 and nine in Buffalo last year. So they didn't play quite as well there. Uh, and they got, uh, you know better crowds. Uh, you know they averaged uh, it upwards of 7,700 fans uh, during their 20, uh, 22 home dates in Buffalo. Uh, which is better than three major league teams, which is uh, kind of hard to believe. They mostly had some support there. But, you know, when the Yankees were in town, when the Red Sox were in town, those were very pro-New York, pro-Boston crowds. And it really underlined to the Blue Jays that they were tenants at Salem Field. As much as it was a good landing spot, and was a safe haven for them in a difficult period. You know, that wasn't their true home. Now, on a personal level, uh, their lives are definitely less complicated, right? It's easier to travel within the United States than it is to cross the border. Uh, for players with families, uh, especially for young children who aren't vaccinated, who aren't eligible to be vaccinated, you know, it's it's a far less complicated situation. You know, in the United States, players are essentially living as they are, even the small minority of players that's unvaccinated, Mm -hmm. whereas, you know, the unvaccinated players in Toronto are going to be limited to their hotel slash place of residence and the ballpark. Uh, And, you know, if they they violate that, they can have their exemptions removed and they can face very, very steep fines under the Quarantine Act. So, you know, I think on, on a personal level, it's a little bit more complicated for a certain segment of players. Uh, both those with young families, vaccinated or not, and, and definitely the unvaccinated population. Uh, and so I think there's a little bit of mixed feelings uh, about that.
0: The big story will be back in just a minute. How far behind the rest of Major League Baseball are the Blue Jays in terms of coming home, what they've been able to do, how their lives have been, uh, what their stadiums are like, etc.
1: I mean, the rest of baseball has been normal. Everybody's been at their home stadium, except for the Blue Jays. You know, the Blue Jays haven't been there since 2019. This year, they will have had three different home stadiums, but once they return to Toronto on July 30th, in two different states and a province, you know, that's, it's really unprecedented stuff. It's, it's something that nobody else has had to deal with. and Yeah, sometimes players get traded and that happens, but for that to happen to an entire team, for an organization to have to set up an infrastructure in three different places in one year, to have to move entire families on multiple occasions, uh, this level of disruption in personal life uh, on such a wide scale, it's, it's absolutely unprecedented.
0: There's been a lot of talk about the federal government uh, perhaps preparing for an election and a Blue Jays homecoming is certainly a really nice sign of a return to normal. Do you Have you heard anything about
1: what the final uh, decision entailed? Well, there are a few factors. One is that vaccination levels in this country have gotten so high that we've reached some of the thresholds where there is a reopening right this isn't happening in isolation this is happening within the broader scope of changes and you know gradual reopenings that are taking place in in every aspect of everyday life uh, you know the one exception that's being made here is that you know some unvaccinated travelers are being allowed in but they're being isolated and there's the, I guess, the sense that there is a, in the words of intergovernmental ministers, uh, Dominic LeBlanc's words, a national interest or a, a significant interest in having the Blue Jays play home games here. You know, there's some economic benefits, and there's the sense that this can be done safely at this point, whereas before, and you know, baseball did suffer two significant coronavirus outbreaks during the 2020 season. One of them, at a certain point, risked forcing the cancellation of the entire season. Um, you know, that's not the case anymore. You know this is major League Baseball's positivity rates are stunningly low, much lower than the general populations. They've had been able to contain any outbreaks. There's uh, in the general population an eighty five percent or higher uh, level of vaccination. All those pieces put together, that there was no way for the the federal government to say this is unsafe and that the risks out uh, outweigh the benefits, and you know very clearly at this point from economic activity, uh, local morale, uh, you know restoring normalcy for people, all those pieces were pointing to this, and the fact that it that there wasn't a sizable risk, you know, really tipped the scales.
0: Last question on this before I want to ask you a few about the actual on-field team before I let you go. But in terms of the decision, I know the border doesn't open to regular fully vaccinated Americans until August 9th. And the baseball team gets to allow non-vaccinated Americans, albeit in quarantine, in as of July 30th. Has there been any blowback about this?
1: I, I'm sure that in some quarters there has been look, you know, and any everything that's happening uh, in these days seems to draw some criticism and some level of complaint. but I haven't seen any substantial uh, complaining about this. and hmm. you know I just this one is is so uh, I think of on the list of grievances that people can have, you know th- this one's got to be small on the list, at least a lot of the reaction I've tended to see and and certainly. That's probably limited a little bit in the scope of sports fans, but you know people are, are really excited about this. You know, people want to see life returning back to normal. I believe, and you know, this is a small little sign of it, and it's something that hasn't been in the community for a long time. Uh, it's one of the most high-profile businesses that's been disrupted because of the pandemic, and you know, to see it coming back to Toronto. There being some excitement about the team, there, there being some optimism around it. Uh, I think all those pieces, you know, uh, largely drowned out anybody who's, who's sort of, uh, you know, taking issue with, uh, with some of the points of the plan.
0: So you mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, uh, Justin Smokes' last game as a Jay being the last time the Jays played in Toronto. How different will the team that plays on July 30th be from that team from September 2019?
1: Well, it's just about half the roster right now has never played a home game in Toronto. So, you know, if you wanted to sort of put it into context, I think that one really frames it, you know, uh, before the 2020 season, the, uh, the big free agent addition for the Blue Jays was, uh, left-handed starter, Hyunjin Ryu, and he got the, uh, the biggest contract ever given to, uh, a pitcher, uh, by the franchise. And he hasn't thrown one pitch in Toronto as a member of the Blue Gees just yet. Uh, you know George Springer, who was the major addition this time around. You know he he's been here as a as a visiting player, but he hasn't even been able to come visit Toronto because uh, you know the border has been closed. So he made he made the decision to sign here based on the fact that you know his experience as a previous player and believing in the team, believing in the franchise. And, you know, 150 million dollars over over six seasons probably helps too. But you know, there, there's certainly a bit of a a leap of faith there for a lot of these players coming home is going to be a, a bit of a new experience. But it, it tells you one how much change there's been. Um, you know, the, the 2019 season was uh, in many ways the bottom of the of the of the fall for a Blue Jays team that had been in the playoffs in 2015, 16. Uh, You know, they lost 95 games that season, and that was really a a transitionary year. You know, since the rebound has begun, you know, the Blue Jays hadn't gotten home yet. So, you know, the, the team that is coming back to Toronto is one that, you know, Blue Jays fans haven't gotten a chance to see in person and become familiar with in person.
0: The last time the Blue Jays played in Toronto, we were discussing whether or not Vlad Guerrero Jr. would ever live up to expectations.
1: Yeah, it's pretty funny, right? Uh, How dumb do those conversations seem now? I think that his emergence is a really important reminder for sports fans about why you have to have patience. And it's difficult to have patience, right? Because you want your team to do well, and I understand that, and it's emotional. But Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was a kid when he came up. And had all the pressure in the world on him, was supposed to set the world on fire. And he simply needed the major leagues to show him what he didn't know. He needed to understand what that meant for him and how that impacted training routines, his personal habits, the way he prepared for baseball games, all those things. And because he wants to be the best player in the world, he put in the work to make sure that it would happen once he realized what the gaps were in his game. You know, to me, it's a, it's an affirmation of why you have to have runway, even for talented players, incredibly talented players, generationally talented young players. Uh, And, you know, he's certainly rewarding that faith and it's full credit to him. You know, he made the decision, he decided that he needed to be accountable to his teammates and he is having a season that is on track to be the greatest offensive season in Blue Jays history. And it's just absolutely special what he's doing. And it's, it's a lot of fun to watch it.
0: Last question for you. You'll be there, I assume, on July 30th. What do you think the atmosphere there is going to be like? Just based on what I'm seeing on social media and, and from the players even, I think it'll be kind of emotional.
1: Oh yeah, it's definitely going to be that. It's going to be a lot of things too, right? Let's keep in mind that July 30th is also the trade deadline. Right. And you know, if they do something that captures the imagination of people a little bit as well. Uh, you know, it could be a, an absolutely incredible atmosphere. And uh, you know, I think back to 2015 and the day that Troy Tulowitzki debuted. You know, his acquisition was a shock and it just Completely spun around the perception of what the Blue Jays were and what they were trying to accomplish. And when he debuted, it wasn't a sellout crowd. It was I think it was in the in the '30s, mid '30s, maybe. Um, but the crowd was as electric as any that I could remember because there was this just sort of this moment where was, everybody was like, "We've arrived. This is it. This is what we've been waiting for." And I can see there being a similar type of vibe on the 30th right you got people who have been locked down for the majority of the past year and change haven't seen their baseball team in a long time you've got a young team that's seemingly emerging uh, and then coming back for the first time this, this reconnection with the club and then you know you throw in a, a move or two of excitement into the mix um, it can be pretty special
0: I'm excited Shai thank you for this and uh, hopefully I see you around the ballpark this summer
1: but uh, that's what everybody's hoping for is a reconnection with everybody that uh, we've been apart from for a long long time appreciate it
0: Shai Davidi of Sportsnet that was the big story for more from us including all the other episodes I make us do about the Blue Jays because baseball keeps me happy during a pandemic you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca you can find us anytime on Twitter to chat at thebigstoryfpn you can email us and tell me to stop doing so many damn stories about the Blue Jays by emailing the Big Story Podcast, all one word, at rci.rogers.com. If you've made it this far, you probably like the show, so you can go and show that love in your favorite podcast player, Apple or Google or Stitcher or Spotify or whichever one you choose. Please leave a rating. Please do leave a review. Stephanie Phillips is the lead producer of The Big Story. Ryan Clark and Joseph Fish are our associate producers and I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Go Blue Jays. We'll talk Monday.